Hello and welcome to this Reality Church London conversation. My name's Luke Hamilton and today we're sharing a conversation we held with our prayer team leads, Brett and Vanessa Hitchin, alongside our lead pastor, Bajan Mirtalui. Joining us are also members of the Reality Church London community for a time of question and answer. Today's conversation is all around fasting. So grab your notebooks as we embark on this conversation together. Welcome everyone. So just as we get started, a quick roadmap of where we're going in this conversation. To start us off, we're going to hand to our lead pastor, Bajan Mirtalui, who will give us some teaching all around fasting. Then we're going to look to our prayer team leads, Brett and Vanessa, who will give us some practical tips on all things fasting. Then we're going to hear from one of our community members who has recently taken up fasting to hear from her experience. And then finally, to close us in our time together this evening, we're going to go to you, to the RCL community, to hear around the questions that you want to see answered. So please do send those questions through. And as we get started, I'm now going to hand over to Pastor Bajan, who's going to ask us a question as we begin our time together. Let me say as we begin, why do we need this class? And I want to read to you a quote. If you have the handout, it's there at the top of the handout. But this quote comes from a London pastor in 1959. He was preaching on the topic of revival. And his text that particular Sunday was this story in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 9, where some of the disciples of Jesus had encountered a problem that they weren't able to fix and they weren't able to solve. There was a young boy who was oppressed by a demon. And so they come to Jesus and they say, why couldn't we cast this demon out? In the past, we've been successful. We've had good fruit in our efforts, but this time it didn't work. And Jesus says to them there in Matthew chapter nine, verse 29, excuse me, Mark chapter nine, verse 29, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Here's what Jesus is saying. Your ordinary way of doing spiritual life, your ordinary way of doing ministry, isn't sufficient for the bigness of the problem that you faced. And so what's needed is a deepening of intensity, a deepening of concentration, a deepening of, you might say, spiritual fervor. Martin Lloyd-Jones, preaching on that text, says this, the value of fasting is that it enables you to give your undivided attention to a subject. So what our Lord said to the disciples is this, you'll never deal with this sort of problem until you've been praying, concentrating in prayer, waiting upon God until he has filled you with power When you know that you've got it, then you go out with authority. This is the way, the only way. Surely no one should need to be convinced today that nothing short of a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God is adequate to deal with our situation in this mid-20th century. Now, as I look out over the landscape of what God has called us to as a church here in London in the 21st century, I think we need such an outpouring of the Spirit today. This kind comes out by prayer and by fasting, by earnestly seeking God, depending on him, recognizing our utter reliance and dependence on his work. And so fasting, as I'll show you in just a moment, becomes a tool to intensify our seeking of God. And for that reason, it is essential for us as a church and for us as individual Christians following God today. And so here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna define fasting in just a moment. Then I'm going to give you broadly and pretty quickly an overview of fasting in the Bible. And then I'm going to dive deep into one aspect of fasting in the Bible. So we'll do a broad overview, and then we're going to dive deep into one part of that overview. We're going to see how the practice of fasting actually connects to being a person of justice. And so I'm really excited about unpacking that with you. But here we go. And by the way, as I've already mentioned And Luke's mentioned, if you have any questions as I'm sharing, please write them down, put them in the chat box, and we'll have a time to address them later this evening. But how do we define fasting? There are a lot of people who think about fasting in a pretty broad way, fasting from Instagram, fasting from buying coffees, fasting from social media, 
That's okay. That's fine. But in the Bible, the definition of fasting is actually pretty narrow. It is fasting from, uh, it's a willful abstention from food, from eating, for a set period of time, for a spiritual purpose. And so I'm going to be approaching the topic this evening with that pretty narrow definition. There are other ways to fast. There are other things that people do to cultivate rhythms and habits in their life. But the Bible talks about fasting almost exclusively in terms of a willful abstention from eating for a set period of time for a spiritual purpose. And that's going to be the definition that we operate with tonight. Now, in the Old and New Testament, the practice of fasting is pervasive in the life of the people of God. And biblically speaking, and this is important to note, there is some confusion about this. Fasting is rightly practiced personally and privately and publicly and communally. So sometimes you fast and nobody knows about it, and that's good. Other times you fast and lots of people know about it, and you're actually fasting with other people for an agreed upon purpose. Both have examples in the Bible, and what's important is the heart that you have as you're fasting, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But when Jesus commends personal fasting, he's not commending it as the only way to fast, but he's saying having an attitude that says what matters is what God sees, not what other people see. And so that's in Matthew 6, this practice of fasting done in secret. But actually in the Bible, it's both public and private. Now, when we talk about what the Bible says related to the topic of fasting, it's important to recognize that fasting is a spiritual discipline. It's a tool that God gives for our spiritual life, and you can't restrict it to one purpose. There are many benefits. There are many purposes to fasting. And yet, there are five that I would want to call out as having sort of repeated mention in the Bible. So let me show you what those five are. First, maybe most importantly, Fasting is an intensification tool in prayer as we commune with God. You look at different scriptures, you look at different parts of the Bible, and you realize that fasting is a kind of supercharge. It is an intensifying mechanism. It is striking bold on your font. It is a way to intensify your seeking of God in prayer. And so one of my favorite examples is Moses there on the mountain as he's intimately seeking the presence of God and looking for God's guidance for the people of Israel, he is fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights. And so that's one example of a person in a need, in a moment of deep communion with God, fasting. Another expression of fasting, number two, is a expression of grief, crying out in lament for his deliverance and for his help. You have there in the beginning of the story of Nehemiah, he's told that the city of Jerusalem is vulnerable. The walls have been destroyed and the people were suffering. And so Nehemiah, in response, sits down and weeps, fasts, and prays. So fasting, in that sense, gives, you might say, physical expression to the posture of your heart. Grief, sadness, crying out to God be with us, deliver us. You have other examples of that in the Old Testament. Third, related but different, fasting is a physical posture that accompanies and aids repentance. So sometimes, point two, you're fasting because you see evil and grief around you. Other times, fasting is the result of the evil and the sin that you've experienced inside of you. And so it becomes a physical way to adopt a posture of repentance in the presence of God. And so that's why in the book of Leviticus, on the day of atonement, the day when sin was confessed and covered by the blood of a sacrifice, the people of Israel were told to fast. It was a way for them to physically experience what was becoming a kind of spiritual reality as they were confessing and repenting of their sin. Fourth, fasting is a way of concentrating energy and prayer while you seek God's guidance in mission. I love a couple of verses in the New Testament that call out this theme that when the church was needing God's guidance, what should we do? Who should we send out on mission? How do we use our resources to further the kingdom? The way in which they sought God's will was by coming together 
by fasting and by praying. So it was a tool, a communal and a public tool of actually putting themselves in the presence of God and saying, we are for this time not going to eat, but instead we're going to depend on you to lead us and to guide us into our future. So look there, Acts 13, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. That's hugely important. There was a rhythm in the church, God, we don't know what to do. So we look to you for your guidance. We're going to fast. We're going to pray. We're going to depend on you. We're going to assume this posture and we're going to believe that you are going to guide us. And that's what the church did. And number five, again, this is a very quick overview, but number five, and this is where we're going to now go deeper and spend time focusing on fasting as a tool for the doing of justice, pursuing righteousness before God and with people. Now, let me say something interesting. I've done a lot of reading recently on the topic of fasting, as you might imagine. And here's what I found that I didn't know before. Throughout the Bible, the practice of fasting is talked about. But there are only two places in the Bible where God tells his people to fast. Isn't that interesting? The people of God fast all the time, but there's only two places where God actually says, this is what you should do in your fasting. This is what you should do in seeking me. And one of those places is here, Isaiah chapter 58. Let me read these verses, and we're going to then spend some time unpacking them together. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Again, I'm about to unpack this more deeply, but here's the summary. God says, if your fasting doesn't produce justice, you're not fasting right. You're not fasting properly. What I love about this theme, and you get this throughout the prophets of the Old Testament, is there's no disjunction between faith in God and the pursuit of ethics and justice and right living in the world. Oftentimes in the Old Testament, idolatry leads to oppression. And that makes sense, doesn't it? A wrong view of God will lead to a wrong view of people who are made in the image of God. And so if I start to devalue God, <laughs> idolatry, then I'm not going to honor the image of that God in the lives of the people around me. And so what God is saying in Isaiah 58, which we'll see in just a moment, you're fasting, but it's not leading to justice. It's not leading to the pursuit of equity in your human relationships. And that's a problem, God says. So let's go deeper into that very topic. The first thing I want to show you is God offers a criticism of self-centered fasting. Let me read to you just a couple of parts of this section from Isaiah 58. Verse 3, the people say, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Then... God replies, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife. Is this, verse 5, the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Now, again, that's poetry. It's the book of Isaiah. But let me unpack what's happening. The people of Israel are saying to God, we're fasting and you're not seeing it. You're not answering our prayers. You're not doing what we're asking you to do. And God replies, yes, I can see that you're fasting, but the people around you are suffering. The people around you are being exploited. Did I ever ask you to fast and to neglect your neighbor? 
That's the gist of those verses. And so God's criticism, notice, is not with the practice of fasting. Fasting is a good thing. But his critique has to do with two things. Number one, they were using fasting as a tool to manipulate God to serve their own ends. God, we're fasting, so answer our prayers. And in that way, they were approaching God kind of like a vending machine. We're inserting the currency of our fasting, and we expect you to produce the outcomes that we desire. And that's an important part of spiritual life for us to all reflect on. Is God a means to an end or is he the end itself? I think if we're honest, oftentimes as we examine mm. our own spiritual lives, we can discern ways in which God is actually a convenient means to an end, but there's something else that we're seeking that's deeper and more fundamental. And that's what the people of Israel were doing. God, we're fasting. Don't you see it? But the second thing that God criticizes is how self-centered they were. Not just were they using God for their own ends, but they were self-centered. They were seeking to show, look how devoted we are religiously or spiritually while ignoring the needs of people all around them. So it's as if they're saying, God, we're seeking you. God, we're seeking you. And all around them, people who are made in the image of God were suffering. And God says, that's not the kind of fasting I've called you to. So Ray Ortland, who has a wonderful commentary on the book of Isaiah, observes this. Let me read to you the bottom there of page three. God does not want us to prove our devotion to him by making ourselves hungry and miserable while disregarding our obligation to make others full and happy. If our Christianity, however sincere, doesn't move us to make our world a better place, it's not only unhelpful to others, it's unacceptable to the Lord. Let me say it as clear as I can. Personal spiritual piety should produce people of justice. And if that's not happening, it's because our spiritual piety is not being practiced in the way God intended. So how then does fasting produce a people of justice? Well, we have to see what God commends. We go a little bit farther in Isaiah 58. And as we read here, God gives an outline of the kind of fasting that honors him and that pleases him. He says, is this not the kind of fasting that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke? Is it not verse seven to share your food with the hungry, to provide food for the, uh, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away your own flesh and blood? And so this is what God is saying, whether it's the reform of systemic injustices, which is what six is about, or the personal provision that might say very involved, very direct provision of material goods to people in need, which is what verse seven is about. God is saying, whether it's big and systemic or personal and direct, I'm calling you to be a person of justice and your fasting is not pleasing to me until it's moving you in that direction. So here's the last question. How does the practice of fasting create people who pursue justice? And uh, then we're going to get into the topic more, more uh, uh, practically from Brett and Vanessa about how to fast and some encouragements in that regard. But how does this spiritual discipline of fasting create people who pursue justice? A couple of ideas. First, the practice of fasting creates habits of self-denial. Let me ask you a question, and obviously we're not going <laughs> to reply to it because it would be too humbling. When was the last time you said no to yourself? When was the last time you had a desire for something and you didn't act on it? The practice of fasting is actually a gift from God to help us learn how to be people who can deny ourselves. It's a built-in spiritual tool to say to self, you have an appetite and we're not going to satisfy it right now. Why is that important in the practice of justice? Because the practice of justice is always costly. It always costs you something. To stand with someone who's being oppressed, to stand up against evil, always involves you really getting involved. It always involves, you might say, putting some skin in the game. 
that costs something. And if we're always protecting self and satisfying self, we can't be a people who pursue justice. So fasting becomes a way to actually build the skill of self-denial, which if we are going to walk on the road of pursuing equity and justice in our lives, in our city, in our workplaces, we have to be people who learn the skill of self-denial. And so fasting is one tool that God gives us in order to develop some of those habits. Second way the practice of fasting creates people who pursue justice is quite literally, and I want us to think creatively about this, fasting creates margin. We go without so that other people can have. So God is not interested in asceticism, suffering for its own sake, denying yourself for its own sake. God is interested in the practice of fasting, which leads to bringing plenty and joy and encouragement to other people. So what fasting does is it creates margin. You don't eat. And now you have this space in your day. What should I do with it? Others-centered, God-centered. You look beyond yourself. And so some examples, you have money now that you were going to use for takeaway that you're not using. Buy someone else a meal. This can be a time where the time that would have been spent eating or preparing food can be spent practically serving a neighbor or serving in your local food bank. The practice of fasting creates margin because it en enables us at the invitation of God to find creative ways to use time and resources to bring relief and encouragement to people around us. Again, you have a little bit more about that there in your handout. And then last, fasting connects devotion to God with love for a neighbor. If the purpose of fasting, at least one of the purposes, is this intensification of communing with God, how do you express love for God? Well, how do you express love for another person? You want to do something for them that's profitable, that it serves them, acts of service. But you know that there's nothing that you can do for God that is profitable to him. You can't add anything to God. You can't give God something that he doesn't have. How then do we show God love? Well, one of the ways is by loving God's people. So if fasting is about intensifying my love and my devotion and my affection to God, well, how does that get expressed? By loving the people who are made in his image. Isn't it fascinating? Look at this. Matthew 25 <laughs> Jesus is telling a parable about the future, and it says the righteous will answer him. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger, you as a stranger, and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? God, they're saying, when did that happen? And Jesus replies, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. And so what the practice of fasting does is it allows us to show our love and affection for God by showing love and affection to the most vulnerable who are made in his image. We connect our devotion to God with our love for neighbor. Last thing, and then over to you, Brett and Vanessa. How do we become a people who pursue justice through fasting? Through the one who fasted for us. I would encourage you at some point later tonight or this week, to go and meditate on Matthew chapter four. It's stunning to me that as Jesus begins his public ministry, he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And in that fasting, he's ultimately tested and tempted by the evil one. And ultimately our adversary, the enemy comes to Jesus in that test and is trying to cause Jesus to do what all sin is, which is rely on self instead of God. And there in that moment, Jesus, our hero, Jesus, our champion, says to the enemy, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so you have here Jesus denying self for what purpose? To be on his mission, to be the ultimate pursuer of God's justice, both satisfying the demand for sin and showing grace and mercy to his people. And so we fast because Jesus did. Our pursuit of God and our pursuit of justice is rooted in what Jesus has accomplished in his life and in his death. And so fasting is never something we do to earn God's favor. It's something we do as a response to the favor that we've received in Jesus. 
Friends, thank you for listening. I know that was a quick summary. Hopefully having some of that written down is helpful. But now, and we're going to keep getting more and more specific. My job tonight was just to give you an overview, a summary of scripture. Now we get to go a little bit deeper and more practical, and then we'll hear a story. So Brett and Vanessa, over to you. Yeah, thanks, Vijan. That was um, really good in-depth, like teaching and overview of, of fasting. Um, I, you know, I want to start with kind of saying that um, this is the, like teaching practical tips, and we we recognise um, that fasting isn't isn't easy. It's not the easiest thing to do, and it's not you know something that you can um, just jump straight into and kind of you know do it the way you see it or the way other people see it, but um, that's what we're kind of going to go through tonight about some kind of practical tips, um, also some encouragement and some teaching on, you know, fasting and how, how you can fast. And um, Bijan's just kind of outlaid there for us kind of um, the, the reasons behind fasting and, and, and why we fast. And um, yeah, really encouraging. And it's funny because one of the, the last bits there he was talking about was about um, kind of fasting and you know, being able to love others and being able to um, love your neighbor, but fasting sometimes can make you really frustrated, really angry with your neighbor. It's the least thing you want um, to do, you know, uh, to, 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 you know, to show love to someone when you're, when you're hungry, when you're tired, when you're like, oh, what is going on? I'm meant to be loving them, but I'm just getting really annoyed with them. What do I do? So a um, few of the things that we'll go through tonight, um, we'll have kind of tips and things that identify things that happen like that. Um, while you're focusing on God and while you're fasting. Um, so, yeah, just to say that, you know, it's something we can we can learn and um, to understand, to know why we're doing it and then to get better at it and then, yeah, just, just grow in that. Um, so my first, first kind of tip and in and around fasting is to um, identify the purpose. So um, Bijan uh, really kind of outlaid uh, the, the purposes there for us in terms of so why why you're fasting. So um, not just fasting because on, on Mondays we fast as, as a church. I'm just going to join in and, and fast with the church because that's what the church does. So uh, identifying a purpose behind your fast. So um, some of the reasons that Bijan went through, um, there may be some that you related to uh, and some that you would take on board and, and kind of read into and look into. Um, but... <clears throat> Today, we were, Vanessa and I were just talking about it on a walk and um, when, when we're fasting or when I'm fasting, sometimes I just, you know, why am I fasting? Because it just can become a, oh, I just fast because that's, you know, it's, it's Monday, I'll do the fast. But that recognition of the purpose behind your fast, not just doing the fast because that's, that's what you do. So um, really like digging deep into, into to why you're fasting. Um, fasting. So as Bijan was talking about, he talked about, you know, the real reason and purpose is to grow closer to God and have that um, stronger communion with God. But also there may be, you know, uh, another purpose behind that, like that I want to be able to, um, you know, like he was saying, um, fast for, for a, a specific or uh, a reason, um, uh, whether that be, you know, as, as a group, um, personally, I find that I, I have accountability with my wife to, to, to fast with her and we have uh, that specific reason where we come together and fast, um, um, whether that be, you know, for specific reasons, whether that be um, for, for something to do with church, something to do with, you know, um, growth with ourselves, but having that real purpose and reason coming back to it um, as well during the day um to, to to recognize why you are um fasting um so in that it's it's good to plan your time ahead um so uh i wouldn't fast uh if you were planning on kind of watching a big game of football that night and you're really looking forward to having a few beers and food with some friends or you know that's probably practically not a good time to choose to to fast but yeah um that's 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 just me so um, kind of plan your time ahead um, and, you know, um, know when you are going to fast. So set aside that, that, that day or, you know, that time of the day um, when you are going to fast that meal, whether that be just a singular meal or whether you're choosing to, to fast longer than a singular meal um, in terms of what you're focusing. So plan ahead, um, 
maybe before you go into that fast, pray, meditate, what, what, you know, what, what are those things that have come on your heart to, to, to fast for, whether they be specific things or you just want to, that communing with God, that, that closeness with God, um, as Bijan was talking about, or for, or for, or for maybe it's a, a wider purpose. That's a real, um, some of the things that Bijan was talking about, a real powerful cause that's, that's bigger, much bigger than, than us. To, so, before you go into your fast, just have, you know, have, have some sort of plan. It doesn't have to be a, uh, Vanessa's very organized, so I'm sure she'd have it all, you know, she knows what the plan is, has it all written out, whereas I'm not as much. So I, I have it in my head and understand that. So, um, and, and in that, just um, commit to a time period. So, um, so have your time planned ahead and commit to a time period. So, as I said, fasting is, uh, if you're new to it, if tonight you're just kind of learning about it, it's the first time, um, you know, you committing to a time period, whether that be, um, you know, fasting through through lunch or, you know, fasting, um, you know, a meal um, and and knowing that time period as well. I think it, it's uh, practically it's helped for, for me in terms of knowing, okay, this, I know when I'm coming to this day, um, it's going to be a fasting day. I know the time periods um, and I know what meals are going to be fasted. So um, as I said at the start, it, you know, fasting, it, it can be hard for some, it can be easy for others, but um, treat it as a, as, a, as a, like a muscle that you build up, um, that you, you strengthen. Um, so you may want to start with just, you know, um, fasting breakfast or fasting a lunch or, um, you know, but, it's it's about building that muscle up and um also you know while you build that up you're able to kind of um grow stronger in that and um with you know kind of sticking to what you know Bujan was talking about the reasons behind that you're able to grow in that and be able to you know um maybe fast for, for longer periods of time but it, it's it's really up to the individual um, um to choose that and to um kind of understand where your limits are and how you want to progress in that uh, I'm going to pass it over to Vanessa. Um, I would actually add something to that of just saying more of a practical thing. We sometimes find it easier to plan ahead in terms of your meal. So if you are, for instance, doing a 24 hour where you're having dinner and then your next time will be dinner, it might be easier to actually prep that dinner the night before. So when you do break your fast, all you need to do is reheat your dinner and like you can maybe talk over your fast or have a bit more. So you're not actually spending time like cooking while you're like in your almost fat, like ending your fast. It's quite nice to end your fast um, with that all in place. Obviously we know what weeks are like um work schedules and all that kind of thing so it might not be possible but that's just something we find practically quite helpful to have that um, oh and one quick thing i just add in at the end of that as well as um like the the monday this is just a plug for monday night prayers really but you know if you were still on a monday when we're having the prayers at the end of the night it, it's a really great way to to end your fast to to have that time of prayer together as a community so you've got You've had that focus during the day and then in the evening instead of thinking about what's on tv or what's that you've got that prayer meeting to have together and then being able to break your fast in that way so that's fine um but yeah i'll just chat a bit about um brett kind of talked into this already but just um one of the things that the more you kind of do it the more you probably pick up on is just your weaknesses um knowing actually like you're you're quite aware of there's certain times of the day you will get more hungry than others and it's different per person there's different times of the day that you'll really struggle with concentration or you'll get hangry or you might be a bit more irritable or maybe even it taps into like other emotions be like almost like take note of when those times of the day are and just pause and maybe go for a short walk or just like go into meditation, do a prayer. If you've got a specific focus and you're looking at a certain scripture that's linked with that, um, maybe like just use that moment to just pause, read that scripture and then come back. I think the more you fast, the more you'll notice actually 
11 a.m my body's just like what's going on I've not had breakfast like feed me and that's all you can think of so that's where you're really like resisting your desire of what my body like my body's not in control today I'm going to like surrender that pause and know I don't need to like um constantly have that in my head and then that kind of taps into also being aware of your emotions throughout the day um I don't know if you guys are into journaling or anything like that but I would just recommend that when you go throughout the day you'll like taking something that our body and our flesh desires it's not going to react well all the time um you're teaching yourself self-discipline and if you hang around with a toddler you will see self-discipline is the last thing they want to do and also if they're hungry it's it's chaos um so you it's going to be hard your body is not going to react well food is linked with so many emotions you probably are so oblivious to um you might be a bit more like snappier or more sensitive or the last thing you want to do is show kindness and all these things will come to the surface when you've taken food away like you'll be quite surprised actually how much of your emotions is tied to food um, and that's okay. That's a great moment of just like surrendering that and confessing that and just bringing that to Jesus and inviting him, him in. And if it's linked to a certain like, if you're like really like going into a cause and if you're linked to certain like justice that you're and it's and your like sin is almost equivalent to that, then that's actually a great way of just interceding of like, I'm feeling so unkind right now to like show kindness to someone at work that's been really irritating and this is a great way of just being like okay I'm actually like needing you God and and I just think that's amazing thing that fasting teaches you like you probably just don't realize that how much your emotions are really tied to food and fasting really teaches you of just that like really surrendering that and like like we were talking earlier of just sacrificing I'm sacrificing my hunger in order to like feel this then I can like pray into that um and you'll find that actually your prayers are more honest and more vulnerable and you'll kind of get into a space that you probably might not get there if you were fed um so yeah that's one of them and then Another one I think can be quite helpful, especially if you're new and you're starting out, is like you can ask like one or two people, a small group, or maybe even someone from your CG, or maybe even your full CG to do it with you and have that like accountability. Brett was saying earlier, some when we fast, we normally do it together because um, we have, I guess, each other to be accountable for, but it's also, great because throughout our day we're like talking about it we're asking and we're like probing each other and I think it's a great way of like really like getting together with your community at church with your CG of like even just having a short phone call on your lunch break or if possible maybe in a park but like meeting up and breaking your fast together and just talking about like how did your fasting going like how was it what did you have a specific focus how did you feel did you feel like you were able to focus on that or was there other things going on those kind of questions are actually like really helpful in terms of just having like an accountability and feeling like it's quite like it's quite easy to just drop it if it's just if it's just you or if you're struggling to like fit it in your week um that's just a recommendation if you ask someone else to like get involved together then it makes it a bit bit easier and it's a bit nicer I guess having to like yeah chat through the end of the day as well with someone and yeah we similar to what we were just saying before but we do really encourage a rhythm fasting is just like what we were saying you can't pick it up straight away and be really good at it I mean maybe some people can but most of us who really enjoy eating um it's not it's not an easy thing but the more you like commit to regular rhythm, if that's weekly, if that's fortnightly, if it's monthly, the, the more you'll train your body to get used to it, you'll actually be surprised the more you do it, the more like your body's almost prepared for it. If it's at the same time of the week, you'll see that you'll start getting used to it and it will get easier. Like those sore heads will go and 
though like your stomach will not rumble all day all the time and those things you'll see will slowly go you might not even notice them but um a regular rhythm will actually help you like it will really help you grow and you'll dip in and out like sometimes your fast will be rubbish and you'll just be like I totally lost concentration all day but I mean you can start again you can try again next week that's that's part of it it's part of just like walking your faith like walking life and just you just keep going if you just commit um like but also like just like I almost like set it in like as like a rule of life of just like okay this this is when it will be um if that's weekly or if it's fortnightly and that's just something that we would recommend and yeah the last one is just enjoy it like it's we kind of were talking a lot about how it's hard but the like Bijan was just talking so much about like the power and the strength that could come through it and it's actually like if you think about it if you think about if our church community was to really take up fasting as a rule of life and set a rhythm the the fruit of it that will come is really exciting and and just it's something that we can get excited about as a church but personally like if you start if you're thinking ahead of it just maybe even pray into just thinking like god i really like want to look forward to just spending intentional time with you of like teaching how i can resist the desires and and surrender more to you like that is an amazing thing to learn um and it's not an easy thing and we're in a world where we just always say yes the like even just that problem that Bijan said earlier of just when did you last say like no to yourself um almost delight in saying no to yourself that and saying yes more to like Jesus it's just yeah it's not something that we we want to kind of end it on a high of just knowing like it's actually it's a really exciting thing you can get really into it and it can be really fun <laughs> um that goes as far as our practical tips hopefully they help you um i might just slide in one one last one maybe um i as probably mentioned i do like to plan so sometimes setting up like a roadmap of my day in terms of like drinks, like knowing what drinks I can drink and not everyone is the same to not have it like you can do this and you can't do it, but it just, it makes more space in my mind. If I know, okay, I'm going to allow myself coffee today and water, then it just knows in my head when I'm thirsty, I just know what to get. I personally find that a bit easier and I know other people that maybe like yeah you can ease you can choose kind of your perimeters in a way um stuff like that I think planning that ahead does kind of help with your actual day of just doing okay this is how I'm going to do today and it almost like yeah makes it easier to to almost do the fast and not having to think oh can I do this can I not do this and all that busyness that comes with it um so yeah and just as we're kind of tying that round, we thought it'd be great just to allow um, someone in our church to share their experience. So I was um, chatting to my fellow Scott and she was just sharing how she added in fasting as a regular rhythm and just her experience in doing it with the church. And then she added it more as a rhythm into her week. So I just asked her to share her experience with us um, and then we can go into a time of Q&A. So if you just want to unmute yourself, Hannah. Hey, hey, hey. Um, am I answering a question or should I just go? Um, well, I can say the question I guess that I gave you. Um, so I asked Hannah, in your experience, what has been the benefits of adding a regular rhythm of fasting into your life? Yeah, and sorry, I can go, go further. Um, it's interesting. I did. I took up fasting. I think uh, regularly, uh, probably around a year ago. Um, and starting with the church, I'd fasted on and off before, but as a regular rhythm uh, about a year ago. And yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I can't say much more than what 
uh, Vanessa Borey said, it's, it's been incredible for, I think, spiritual journey. Um, you know, what Bijan shared, uh, it does happen. Like I found that I look forward to the day that I fast. Uh, and that's not that I look forward to not eating. And that's, I know, as we were talking about physical changes, like for me personally, uh, I go Baltic. I go so cold. I have to wear four or five times layers uh, to keep my body warm because I'm not eating. I'm not giving it fuel. Um, but I look forward to it because I've come to know that this is a dedicated, intensified time of devotion to God. And um, so I structure mine again with all the practical tips that you guys have shared already. Um, mine is always during the work week. Um, because I know that I have a time frame that I can work with. As soon as, as soon as it comes to a day where there is, I can do anything and everything at any time, that becomes harder to work with. Um, whereas I will, in the morning, instead of my usual quiet time, which I have a space to do around breakfast, I associate that with breakfast. So I go out for a prayer walk. I that's, um, do something different um, and... I've also noticed that I've become more, uh, it's not always the case, <laughs> but uh, recognizing actually gratefulness. I open my food cupboard and I'm like, whoa, this, this is amazing. Like this is, you know, what I have is such a gift. And again, I guess what Bijan, you were saying about tying in with, well, I'm not, going to be indulging in this today so what can I do for my neighbor what can I like I think it's it's been a really awesome experience and it doesn't I think it's still I'm st you're still human and you're still facing this we need food we rely on food for our bodies and so it is against our kind of instinct um but I've just, yeah, I've just found that it's a time I look forward to spending that devoted time with God, um, whether that's going for a walk, praying. I've had a worship dance or two uh, during a mealtime. Um, but it's, I think in my head and my heart, I just know it's a time for him ultimately and devoted. And yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I can't say that enough. <laughs> Love that. Thank you, Hannah. And yeah, I think we'll just move into a time now of Q&A. Great. Thank you, uh, Pastor Bajan, Brett, Vanessa and Hannah for sharing what you share with us this evening. A special thank you to Brett and Vanessa who became aunties and uncles for another time this week. And in the midst of visiting um, their new niece, they've been preparing all of this. So thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. As always, this is an RCL conversation. So as well as hearing from the few, we also want to hear from each and every person uh, with us this evening. So lots of you have been sending through questions. We really appreciate it. And please do keep sending them through. I am going to read some of them out now. And then, um, yeah, back to Pastor Pajam, Brett, Vanessa and Hannah to provide any wisdom. So the first question that has come through is um, in terms of length. So the question says, what's the shortest time of fasting that counts as fasting? I don't think that there is a God-given prescribed limit to how long or uh, short a fast can or must be. Um, so I think it would count biblically in terms of fasting when you deny yourself food for a set period of time for a set spiritual purpose, um, whether that's one meal or multiple meals. Uh, I would I would hate to give a number of hours or minutes that sort of that make that count I because I don't think the Bible does. Great. Thank you. A quick note on there. Sorry, Luke. I, th I think uh, you also know in your heart kind of, okay, this is a bit, you know, like where, where you, when you're fasting. Too easy. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, you kind of, you would recognize that yourself, I think when you fast, okay, you know, this is, um, you know, this is my limits of what I can do. But you, you also, I think because of your, you know, the reasons behind it, you're also doing it for that, the purpose of communing with God and you recognize within your heart what, you know, what is that 
you know, what, what, what your capability is and what, you know, what that is. Great. Perhaps a, a good question to jump to now. I'm um, mixing some of these around, but the next question is maybe to the other end of the spectrum. And the question is, can you fast too much when it's not honoring your body? Any thoughts? I actually heard um, a really good um, point on this, that um, depending on your own health, that sometimes the opposite of fasting is what you actually are. If your body is almost desiring not to eat, the almost the opposite um, sometimes mentally um, might be for you. So that won't necessarily be, I guess, the fasting we're talking about right now, that I guess that's more of just like intentional time. Um, but yeah, I would, obviously there's lots of, health stuff around fasting so I think you probably just you would need to like I guess just know like our bodies can actually do a lot more than we think because we normally just go into its desires all so easily um but you'll also mentally know I guess what is your limit um or if you have experienced it before and just making sure like especially when you're doing a fast you probably need to be drinking way more than you would normally just things like that you'll just um, probably would pick up. Great. Amazing. So next question we have uh, that has come in is uh, around, should you talk publicly about when you fast? Is there a thing of talking too publicly and talking too much when you're fasting? I would say that the Bible does indicate that there is a value or a, you might say, benefit in fasting secretly because it is a way to remind ourselves that what we're doing is not about getting glory from other people, but it's about pursuing God. And you can read about that in Matthew 6 and a couple of weeks in our Sunday sermons. We'll actually talk about that passage. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. But I just want to also call out that most of the fasting in the Bible is public and communal. So I think what Jesus is really talking about is an attitude of the heart. Are you fasting and boasting and glorying in yourself? Wow, look at me. I'm denying myself. Life is so hard. I'm so miserable, but I'm so spiritual. Jesus is saying that kind of attitude is repulsive to me. But to fast with brothers and sisters for a spiritual purpose where the glory is being given to God and not on how hard it is or on how uh, much we're all suffering together, but we're great. If that's the purpose, then it's distracting its, its ultimate goal. Um, but I don't think that you can make a case from the Bible that you should never talk to people about fasting. I think that's a kind of uh, reverse legalism that's just not, uh, not built in um, to Jesus's teaching about the practice of fasting. Okay. Great. So the next question that has come through in the chat is... Uh, this person has read about the Daniel fast and they've asked, is that considered true fasting according to the Bible? And for those that don't have their Bibles handy, I thought I would just read Daniel 1.12, which I think they're referring to, which goes, uh, this is NIV. It says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. So the question is, is the Daniel fast true fasting? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. My understanding of the Daniel fast, and I have to confess that I never read the book, but I know it's uh, I know it was a big deal a while ago, is that it was almost as much about dieting and health as it was about spiritual purposes. Um, so I would say that there are uh, health and physical factors that inform the practice of fasting, um, both for when we should be careful to eat physically and for health reasons, but also ways that dieting and fasting of either all food or certain foods can have medicinal or health factors. I would want to separate that a little bit from, uh, from, from the biblical practice of fasting. And if you uh, read carefully in Daniel, that's more about indulgence. So it was about the king's servants having all the best food and tons of abundance and Daniel and his colleagues actually, you know, saying, no, we're, we're wanting to live more simply um, as part of our, uh, our rhythm of life. 
Um, so, so that to me, I would not go to that spot in the Bible for a kind of a text on fasting. I would, I would want to approach it a little differently. I, um, I admit I have done, we have done Daniel fast a few times, um, or it's, it's like, I guess it's like similar to what Bijan was saying, like that our experience of doing two different types is very different. Um, it's, it's sort of like, I guess the Daniel fast was set aside quite differently. Um, they were in a different situation. They were, I guess, wanting to like set themselves um, and like almost like what they wanted to glorify God in, in that living that kind of simpler life. And the Daniel fast definitely, I guess, teaches you a lot about that, but it's very, it's a very different experience of when you're doing it. Um, yeah. It is fun, but it's different. I would say, yeah, it is different from normal fasting. Great. We've just had an influx of questions. So I promise we're going to try and get through as many as possible. Uh, but the next one that's come through is uh, asking, should you fast when needing specific wisdom on a decision? So is fasting for an outcome bad? And the examples given are things like a job or a house move. Can you fast around a certain decision? I think the biblical texts point us in the direction of saying, yes, when we're faced with a big decision, we can fast. We should fast. Second um, Chronicles 20 might be a good example of that, where the people of Israel were facing a great enemy. And King Jehoshaphat says, let's fast together. And he prays, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And so I love that posture of dependence. But here's what I would say. Fasting is not a magic formula. Because I fasted, God is going to dispense the answer. The purpose of fasting is actually to realize that God is the answer. So yeah, you need to know about which school to go to or which job to take. But the purpose of the fasting is to reorient your heart around what you need most, which is God. And sometimes he may, through either the counsel of friends or a word or a passage of scripture, give you a very specific answer. And sometimes he may not. And what we need to remember is that the goal of fasting is more of God, uh, not just the answers that God gives. Mm -hmm. So yes, but because it reorients our hearts around God. Thank you. Um, I love that answer. Sorry, Luke, just jumping quickly because, yeah, because that is like not treating it as a means to an end. And then as we were talking about kind of a, a, a rhythm of fasting, because then it's not just fasting for that, for, a, for something that's come up, it's always just a, a rhythm of that continual fasting. But when those things up, they can be included in, as part of that fast. Great. The next question, perhaps this is for someone who is coming to church on Sunday or is, uh, joining our gathering. But the question is, can you take communion when fasting? And that's a reminder, we're doing communion on Sunday. We're approaching the Lord's table. So the question, can you take communion while fasting? Yes. Uh, I don't think that, uh, I, you know, again, I want to be careful to say that there is a matter of the heart in all of this, but um, both in terms of spiritual purpose and also kind of food quantity, um, it's pretty minimal uh, in that regard. So I don't think in good conscience it would um, prohibit someone from taking the supper while they're uh, in, a, in a season of fasting. So don't want to bind anybody's conscience about that, but that's sort of my uh, pastoral instinct. <laughs> Good question, though. The next question uh, links uh, uh, in a similar sense is all around drinks. So this person says, while you're fasting, we talk about having water, but is it okay to have juice, coffee, etc.? Is it simply a personal choice? Yeah, maybe Brett and Vanessa, I feel like you guys have, uh, you've already alluded to this. Um, the only thing that I'd want to say here is uh, you probably, I just want to offer, if anybody's thinking about it, a little bit of guidance. You probably shouldn't fast from water and especially not without getting guidance from a medical professional. Um, I think that would be something I'd want to communicate clearly that water is really significant and important and dehydration is a real thing. Um, so beyond that, in terms of juice and shakes and that kind of thing, uh, Brian, Vanessa, over to you. I mean, I think for like, I think actually building up um, 
I'm like almost like growing that muscle of like maybe eventually you'll just have water at one point for the day or something but I mean I don't know if anyone's like me but I'm I probably am still a child I actually struggle to drink water so I always have diluting juice that might um but I think I think just setting up perimeters when you're starting um obviously taking out caffeine results in a sore head and things like that so there's just if if you're um into it as much as I am um I I think just almost like eliminating the like what can I do what can't I do and just just keep it simple for yourself like um yeah I I I just I don't I don't think you can like just strictly be like okay um I'll just drink water and like like go straight into it and do it for a certain amount of time some people can but I also just like like allow yourself to just no, actually, um, you can you can grow in it. You can learn. You can um, I don't know. Feel like don't get too strict with what you can and can't do in in your fast. I'd say. Perhaps I think we have about time for two more questions. I've just chosen the last two, but if anyone has any burning questions, feel free to send them through, and we'll get back to you. But the second to last question is uh, around. It says. Uh, do you know of any recommended passages, books, or podcasts to, to support with fasting, especially to align ourselves with becoming persons of justice? So I think this is talking about yeah, further resources that we can recommend. Man, that's good. Um, in terms of fasting and justice, I don't know of a single book or resource that deals with the topic. But if you're very interested, there's two pretty short and accessible commentaries. So commentary is a book which summarizes and explains passages of the Bible. So Ray Ortland, I mentioned him earlier, his uh, uh, book is in the handout and the footnotes, but he's got a great section of his book which deals with Isaiah 58, and I would heartily commend it. There's another commentary by a guy named Barry Webb. And his uh, section in the book of Isaiah and the practice of fasting is really valuable. Um, I think beyond that, in terms of other scriptures, I would encourage you to look carefully at all the references that I put in the handout tonight, because I think they're kind of representative of the main strands of biblical teaching about the practice of fasting. Um, I think if you're looking for more than that, please don't be bashful about reaching out to me. Um, would be happy to to give more resources and references, but but those would be my encouragements to start. Right, Brett and Vanessa, any thoughts before I move on to the final question? Um, I do have do have books recommended, but I can't. I think they're on my bookshelf. I might. I'll just have a look and I'll come back. Okay, great. Well, the final question then, which I think is quite a nice one to land on, which I'll read now, is for someone who is maybe engaging with the rhythm of fasting for the first time, is a healthy rhythm weekly, monthly, annually, where should we aim? So the question is around what's the healthiest rhythm in general? I would say if someone is brand new and just trying to kind of figure out how to begin this rhythm and this rule of life, join us for a first Monday prayer and fast. Um, maybe try to, if you can, if you know folks in the church that you might reach out to, to say, Hey, can we check in as the day goes on, but try that and join us for our breaking fast prayer. And, uh, I think that would be a great way to not only begin building the rhythm, but to recognize the communal nature of it, that we do this as a church seeking God together. Great. Vanessa, any ideas on your resources? Yeah, sorry. Um, it was just that I just really, I mean, it's not on fasting, but the Richard Foster Celebration of Discipline has a really great um, chapter on, fa on fasting, but it's also like path of spiritual growth. So it taps into lots of different things, but this is one that I'd highly recommend. Let's pray all. Thank you again for being here tonight. Let me pray for you. Our God, thank you for gathering us to not only talk about prayer and fasting, but even now as we spend this moment in a non-perfunctory way, crying out to you and expressing our utter dependence on you, our need for you, our desire for more of you. And so please be with us as individuals, but also as a church 
Lord, we recognize that the things that we want to see happen in our own lives and in our city are not things that we can accomplish through ordinary means. We need a significant outpouring of your spirit. Lord, we can build the altar like Elijah did, but you have to send the fire. And so we, in a way that uh, that is challenging for us, we desire to die to self and to depend on you and to follow you. So towards that end, help fasting to be one of the disciplines that we use to cultivate greater hunger for you, greater dependence on you in our lives. Pray for each of these folks who have joined us tonight, that you would be encouraging them, giving them more glimpses of your grace and your glory, and helping us as a church to walk with wisdom and humility as we follow you. We pray all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So thank you all for joining us for this Reality Church London conversation. One thing we did mention are our first Monday prayer and fast evenings. This isn't an event. It's a regular rhythm that we do every first Monday. It's not a one-off event. And all of the details can be found at realitychurch.london forward slash connect. We can't wait to see you at the next one. So Brett, Vanessa, Pastor Bajan, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom this evening. And also for the community, for all of you that submitted questions, you really did help to make this such a fruitful time together. So thank you everyone. And we can't wait to see you soon for the next Reality Church London conversation. Goodbye. Goodbye.